Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, the podcasting equivalent of the guy that was just happy to be invited to the party. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and it's joined me as always. I'm ecstatic and excited to have this force of podcasting. By my virtual side, as always, the doctor to my strange, the lovely Zach. How are you today, Zach? Honestly, maybe the first time I've ever been described as lovely. Tell a lie. Actually, I'm from Wales. What are you on about? You get lovely boy all the time. Oh, how are you, lovely boy? <laughs> Mike, how are you, lovely boy? Uh, I am feeling lush myself today, oh, yes. honestly. <laughs> Love to hear it. Die on. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a fun day. We've already recorded one episode. Always fun to do a couple in the same setting. And as much as we like to have guests on, it's always good to give back to the quick and dirty, goofy shit that we like to talk about sometimes. And this, my friend, is one of those stupid, fun, crazy comics that I... I'm excited to talk about. What about you? Dirty and goofy are two words that perfectly describe what happened in this book. 100%. And for those that don't know, and no one does because we haven't told you yet, we are actually going to review X-Force 116, which is pretty much a soft reboot of the entire franchise because in one issue 115, everybody quit. So they started out with a new team on July of 2001 in issue 116. And this is the first issue not to be approved by the comic book code authority of X-Force. So we know we're going to have a banger. There's, vi- like, not to jump too far ahead, there's violence and sexual suggestion. But honestly, how, in 2001, how prevalent was the comics code authority? Because, I I, you know, thinking back at books from that time, there's loads of shit going on. Was it more of just a... Like the parental advisory explicit lyric sticker you'd get. Just more of like, appease your parents kind of corporation. I think that they kept that on a lot of books, the the more popular things. They started reaching out and kind of removing them from some books, a la carte. And this was, I think, when Marvel finally had had enough of it. And they're like, fuck, we want to do what we want to do. Fuck you guys, you're not going to tell us. You ain't telling us what to do. So they, they made a little hissy fit and started pulling it off all of them. And this is one of the... I think first books that they did, and definitely, probably, with it being an X book, one of the more notable ones that kind of helped push their hand, I believe. This is one of the early forays uh, from Joker Cedar's run as editor-in-chief as well. So I think maybe he had a lot to do with the whole ripping back the Comics Code Authority. Why are we actually discussing comics law? That's not what we do on this show. Oh my god, it sounds like we might have researched too much for this episode. We've got to talk about this fucking book. So I'm just going to jump right in. We get the obligatory teenagers, but too young to be legal teenagers, under a pier, about ready to do something that would be probably what one of them says is breaking the law. However, before they get to that point, something happens, Zach, and I want you to tell the mob squad what happens. Now, Mob Squad, I don't know if you'll remember 45 seconds ago when I said I'm not sure what happens in this book that wouldn't go against the Comics Code Authority, but as Mike so rightly pointed out, as the 14 and 13 respectively year old children are about to lose their virginities in public under a bridge, the boy (laughs) in the situation decides to, as we are soon to find out, vomit toxic slime all over the face of this girl that he's just met and decided to uh, make illegal love to under a pier. It's, again, I don't know what it is about comic books. They just remind me of home. (laughs) 
Well, as we're told, this is only a dream. It's actually, he's thinking back. It did happen, but he's thinking back or dreaming about what had happened in the past. And now we are presented in the present where we see a new character called Zeitgeist, who looks like a can of paint exploded in his face while he was huffing it. I don't know, because he has like a yellow face. It's really odd. And he's reviewing tape of the new X-Force team as they are battling, and he is kind of... I guess the strategist, the leader of this team, it appears. It appears that he's the leader and strategist of the team. Now, Zeitgeist is said young boy in the flashback memory, the the Stephen King end of it-esque memory, just to put your minds in uh, the realm of what these kids were going to get up to under that pier. Uh, But as I say, (laughs) it turns out, yeah, he may appear the strategist as he watches Many of his teammates meet gory, bloody fates in the, in battle. Sluck, mainly, the mop-headed, googly-eyed X-Force character who we really only see for a panel or two before getting exploded. But the two <laughs> supermodels who are on the bed behind him, scantily clad no less, allude to the fact that maybe it's not that he's watching it for strategic purposes, but it's the way he can get off. Is by watching superpowered violence. It is very Garth Ennis. Yeah, very Grant Morrison, very Garth Ennis. And the thing to remember here that is pointed out, and you pointed this out, this is 2001 now. So this is not inspired by those people. This is Grant Morrison about the time that Grant Morrison's becoming big. But even though this smells a lot like the boys, this predates the boys by what, a good 15 years, 10 years? Five years. It, okay. The first issue of The Boys was released October 2006. So, yeah, no, it definitely does predate The Boys, but that's not to say that Garth Ennis wasn't already murky in that's those true. waters with Punisher Kills the Marvel Punisher Universe. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You're right. Touche. So, of course, now we get the zeitgeist finally getting to relieve his sexual tension instead of vomiting on women. Acid, nonetheless. <laughs> and the next panel, we see the introduction of Slux replacement, a man known as the Anarchist. Zeitgeist, not super happy about it, but he has to act like he's happy, and there's definitely some contention going on here. So one thing that stood out to me is they're having a press conference to introduce the new character. You've got Zeitgeist, none too pleased, stood behind the shoulder of Coach. Coach is an elderly gentleman who is leading the X-Force, and it alludes to the fact that he had a special arm, but he lost it a long time ago. If you look at the the idea of the arm going and his black and red eyes, is Coach Cable? <laughs> I guess anything's possible. Fuck <laughs> it, yeah, it's at least alluded to the fact that Coach is Cable, never explicitly said. <laughs> so we get to see, after the introduction of the Anarchist, we get a party in Beverly Hills where, of course... He's sitting in a hot tub with naked broads, and he's just an asshole because apparently this whole team is full of assholes now. And he blows the roof off and nearly gets arrested for it. So let's kind of break into the power set of the anarchist for a second. Now, you'd think he'd be some type of punk rock revolutionary with that name. Uh, but no, he's he can control his sweat. His sweat is acid and creates energy. It's confusing to me. Yeah, the whole power set of this team is is pretty interesting. The whole vom- vomiting acid. 
Uh, and there's some other power sets that we're about ready to get into. Some of them are pretty common. Some of them are a little awkward. But Again, what? like That's... every character we discuss in this book, first appearance. Like this is a brand new hot off the press team. This is all of their first book. So if, like me, you're a bit lost in the story when I first read it, understandably so because it wasn't like i read this book i was like the fuck is this i don't know anything that's going on and then i did some research and realized oh i'm not supposed to know any of them or what's going on but nonetheless back to the story anarchist uses his sweat to blow the roof off the four seasons hotel as he's chilling in his hot tub yeah because that is what he's gonna do i don't really understand all these guys are assholes in this I mean, really? So, And I could take that out, but it is this, this is oh, an no, odd book. Don't take that out. They are all assholes. <laughs> so the next scene. The X-Force is opening, apparently, a cafe. And they're going to do it in honor of the beloved Sluck, who has, I guess, a memorial mannequin of him in the cafe. And it is supposed to be christened by the current members of the X-Force, but they are late. And we find out why. Because my new favorite character in comic book history is introduced. It's the Gin Genie, and she is in the fucking bag. <laughs> well, before we get into Gin Genie, did you notice the two cameos in the wide shot you get of the... 21st X-Force Cafe. This is the 21st of these that's been opened. Uh, but do you spot the two cameos in the panel? I see Scott Summers. Who am I missing? you got Scott Summers in the booth, the gentleman picking up the oh. dupe doll. Okay, Wolverine. Wolverine, because the panel below it, if you notice, in the foreground, you have his hand ah! schnicked in his claws through the dupe doll. I, I'd missed that. I was too excited about what was coming up with my new favorite character, the Gin Genie, who literally causes tremors earthquakes the drunker she gets the more powerful she gets and she is in the bag we'll just put it that way she is in bad shape here exactly they are thinking oh maybe the x-force can't be here at the opening of the 21st x-force cafe because they are on an international mission maybe there are super heroics afoot no they are trying to conjole an absolutely shit-faced gin genie who's going through some pretty dire stage fright right now yeah and she's actually understandably concerned that if she goes out there in the bag that it's going to destroy her fan base and one of my second favorite characters ever first appearance of you go girl you go girl <laughs> <laughs> Says your fan base admitting you're a fan of the Gin Genie is like posting your AA membership file on the internet. So they're <laughs> giving her no sympathy here. But a few panels later, some weird guy comes up behind her and does something that you go girl says, are you sure that's legal? It's very sexual looking in nature. And yeah, there's a lot going on quickly. So the weird guy, as you so rightly called him, uh, is a character known as Plasm. Imagine, if you will, if Cum was a superhero. <laughs> and he, yeah, he just splooges his way all over Gingini and levitates her in a way that apparently is quite soothing. Yeah, it is soothing. What is not soothing is Battering Ram, who is not happy with his fucking place in the X-Force. And we hear about it 
ad nauseum. But this is the first time he's like, hey, I want to talk about my role. Yeah, he is very insecure as the powerhouse of the team, the Hulk, if you will, of the team. He's like, number one, I'd like to talk about my role, which is exactly <laughs> how he speaks. And anyone who questions on me can fight me for it. We, <laughs> <laughs> They can rightfully fuck right off as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you can just take a, take, take a, a sack, uh, just fill it full of fucks and take it right <laughs> off. So after the press conference and the, the sploogy intervention on the drunk superhero... <laughs> We go to a fancy restaurant, very upscale. Zeitgeist is there in a suit, although he still looks like he's been huffing paint. And <laughs> Yugogil is his dinner guest. Now, while talking, she snaps what I can only imagine is like smelling salts to keep herself alive. And what we find out is that her teleportation power uh, as the primary form of transport for the new X-Force is basically sapping her life energy. The the more that she will transport, the more tired, the more fatigued, the less able she is to function on the day-to-day. Exactly. And we also find out that pretty much these guys don't give a fuck about being heroes. They're just in it for the popularity. So apparently the team that we know now in this book as the X-Force do go on to become a team called Ecstatic. And their whole thing were like, they were a media savvy kind of like X team. Essentially, they were the ones who would be front and center on the headlines, their own reality TV show. Although, what is the name of the team? Uh, Mob Squad, feel free to fucking blast us on the socials for me forgetting this. But there is the team at the beginning of Civil War who have a reality show. It's a whole thing. Yeah, get at us. Fucking email me, prick. Someone needs to fucking email us. Well, they fucking haven't emailed us yet, so yes. <laughs> it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja SpongeBob, and you can suck my ass if you think otherwise. It was Phil Donahue and Sally Jesse Raphael. Oh, Sally Jesse Raphael. I miss being unemployed. I used to love my afternoons watching Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, but Dr. Phil can just eat a dick as far as I'm concerned. You've heard of bum fights, right? Have I? <laughs> oh, have I? I participated. <laughs> but, um... That's how I met my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was conceived and during a bum conceived fight. in a bum fight. <laughs> so, so actually, Dr. Phil had the creator of bum fights on his show, and he was, of course, going to fucking rake him over the coals, as Dr. Phil likes to do. So the guy that created bum fights came on dressed with a fake bald wig, looking like Dr. Phil. And pretty much said, so let me get this straight. You're getting on to me for exploiting people and taking pride in their misery. And he's like, what do you think you do? And Dr. Phil's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So yeah. Who knew that the guy from Bum Fights was the hero we all needed? <laughs> so I don't even know where we were. Sadly, that lovely dinner of bitching about being superheroes and being concerned for their mortal health is interrupted because they do get a B-deep in their earpieces, calling them to action. And fortunately for them, this is right up their alley because this should be a pretty easy mission. They are going to go save, I will let you tell the punchline, but they're going to go save some pretty notable figures here. And literally, it sounds like not a big deal. 
but it's going to get a lot of press and publicity. It is the perfect mission for a team like the new X-Force, who are media savvy. They are content forward. They are the superhero team for the modern age. And by the modern age, I mean 2001, because they are going <laughs> to save an analog of NSYNC. <laughs> Called Boys, Boys R Us. <laughs> Spelled with the Z as well. If they fucking tuned the R backwards, it would have been spectacular. This was my first experience with Pete Milligan writing, and I am instantly smitten with this guy. I love this guy. I'm not going to say gladness, sadness, if I'm going to keep this comic or not yet. But this fucking guy is hilarious. Yeah, Peter Milligan so- is fucking great, man. <laughs> So it's that type of mission where they just, it's its not even supervillains, it's just men with guns. They just got to swoop in, make sure that they do it before the hour is up. Because it turns out that every hour that goes, that the terrorists, let's call them terrorists, are killing members of Boys R Us. And we get treated to a <laughs> panel of our Joey Fatone analog, the shy one as they call him, just getting fucking tossed out a window. Yeah, he's not going to recover from that. Thankfully, our Boys R Us band, only one of them's dead at this point. So you go, girl, decides she's going to teleport the entire team onto the scene. Things are looking like they're going pretty well at first. They're really taking it to the gunmen. Everybody's looking fantastic. They're going to get their big check off and all the social media praise that they wanted until something crazy happens little interlude before we do get to the dramatic final reveal of the book we haven't mentioned mike how they capture all of their content for the viewers at home <laughs> you're right they've they've got this guy that looks like slimer from the ghostbusters as one of their members and he just floats around and records it all it looks like a floating ill testicle with a camera <laughs> attached to it and his name is dupe and he is my new favorite x character <laughs> Yeah, I've still got the Gin Genie and you go, girl. Things are going swimmingly for our new superhero team. They are defeating gunmen left and right. But they look out the window and see something. And sadly, Zeitgeist is having a moment of epiphany. He's like, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, I finally remember the girl's name who I spit vomit in her face. And he can't even have this sad moment without battering Ram being like, dude, we got to talk about my role. Thank God for Zeitgeist, <laughs> this doesn't last long. What puts an end to it, Zach? What puts an end to it uh, is what I feel is a direct reference to the 1999 smash hit sci-fi blockbuster, The Matrix. <laughs> As Zeitgeist looks out the window, a fully armed and loaded military helicopter hovers into view and just unloads Round after round of molten hot lead all up in our new superheroes. And it's surprising because, yes, we are treated to a picture of You Go Girl, and she's holding Zeitgeist in her arms, and the anarchist, and it looks like things are going to be okay, maybe, until we see that Zeitgeist has entrails all over the fucking ground. This guy's toast, and You Go Girl's like, where's everybody else? We turn around, they're all fucking dead. 
the literal only survivors of the massacre. Now, given that we were introduced to nine new superheroes in this book and we haven't covered them all, not all of them are worth covering. And it turns out because it was many of their first and final appearances. There was hot, wet helicopter death all over this book. But we are just left with our final standing survivors. In Mike's corner, you go, girl. In my (laughs) corner, the one, the only, dupe. And then the the new guy, yeah. no one really cares about the anarchist. the anarchist. Yeah, that guy. And sadly, we've lost the Gin Genie. R.I.P. Gin Genie. She was the whole reason why I picked this book. I said, I need to review a comic book where the drunker the character gets, the more powerful they get. And lo and behold, she was taken away from me at an early age, torn from my bosom. Disappointed. Before we ever really got to see her in her full shit face splendor. It alludes to her power set and what she can do, but before she can really just throw back a fucking pint of Jack Daniels and fuck shit up, she gets turned into pulp. In this final page, there is a corpse that the state of it, I can only guess, is the gin genie. <laughs> I'm going to guess it is because her liver looks fucked up. So fine. <laughs> so so I think we're done reviewing this book. And for a couple of I'm going to add a couple of things that I followed up on because I started to get intrigued with this team. Zeitgeist actually did not die. He actually comes back later on. They somehow put him in a coma and he turns bionic and he goes on to be I think he's still alive to this day. The anarchist. I'm glad you said and made bionic because putting in a coma won't solve the fact that you've just been cut in half by a chain cannon. <laughs> the anarchist is still around. Sadly, You Go Girl died 12 issues later. And she had I, a year in the X Force and then. And I believe that she was the reason that they ended up renaming it Ecstatic. I think that was one of her dying wishes, is what I read. Something to that effect. Please. Before I die, give us the worst name possible. (laughs) I want to see this in the movie. I want it to be all sad when they close their eyes and they go, you gone, girl. So finally, (laughs) with that said, we are done reviewing X-Force number 116. Again, soft reboot and Zack. Multiverse of gladness and multiverse of sadness time. I think there's a lot of gladness particularly, but I'm going to let you start first. So my gladness was, as I said, reading this book, initially I was nonplussed. I was like, it's just nonsensical. I don't know who anyone is. I don't know what's going on. But it wasn't until reading further into it and realizing this book is 21 years old and reads and looks like it could be a modern-day image comic You've got the absolute powerhouse indie team of Pete Milligan and Matt Allred, both absolute stars of indie comics in their own right. The artwork is absolutely stunning, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that I believe it's Laura Allred is the colorist, the wife of Matt Allred. (laughs) So you can imagine as a creative team, they are so in sync with how to make the images pop in both composition and final product with lines and colors yeah it genuinely this book felt a good 21 years ahead of its time in context 
100%. I think I really have a lot of gladness in this book. I like my superhero stories being one of two ways. I like there to be no consequence where we get something completely goofy and funny and we're just there for the yucks. Or I like there to be a serious gravity to the events where I feel like, oh, you're in a life-threatening situation? It's okay because you're going to survive. I know you will. They're not going to kill you. This is not that. The ones I thought would, would survive, I thought for sure Zeitgeist was going to live through this and he's gone for at least a spell. They killed an entire team. And some of these guys looked at least interesting, but that was this entire run. You Go Girl died 12 issues later. There appears to be a gravity here. And as you were saying, being ahead of its time, if you haven't seen the show Invincible or read the comic books, uh, go ahead and fast forward about 30 seconds. But this predates Invincible <laughs> by a good two years. And in that case, with the entire Invincible team dying, very similarly to X-Force 116, Invincible feels like a bit of a derivative. I'm done. And for the mob squad at home, I just took my headphones off to not have the Invincible spoiled for me. So we're together if you just skip that part of the podcast. This comic does feel ahead of its time again. So yeah, I think that that made me smile. And I think the writing was unique, I'll say, to say the least. So sadness, Zach. Anything make you, make you unhappy? What would make me unhappy about this book would be the absolute lambasting that Joey Fatone took in it. Now, I know it's not <laughs> Joey Fatone in the book, but obviously Joey Fatone was always the more portly member of NSYNC, and it didn't help that his surname was spelt Fat One. <laughs> they drew him in this book. Like, it, you can tell just looking at him that it's meant to be Joey Fatone, but they porked him up a notch or two. They really laid on the ham with him, and I don't think that's fair. You don't get to play my favourite member of NSYNC and modern-day hot dog pioneer Joey Fatone that way. Apparently, you do. So, as far as <laughs> sadness for me, I kind of wish, even though I was talking about the gravity of things, I almost felt this was too much gravity. I wish they would have kept, maybe only kill two characters. Don't kill the, like, seven-tenths of the team or whatever. I mean, they're fucking <laughs> everybody dies. I did want to find out a little more. I think that maybe a little longer-term building wouldn't have been as uh, egregious, I guess. But that being said, is it was so unexpected, especially for 2001. It did succeed in being shocking in that way, especially for a brand new team where they went through the trouble of creating characters, introducing characters-ish, and then just killing them off by the end. So yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen selfishly more of the Gin Genie. I do think that's an interesting <laughs> concept. She could technically be an Omega-level mutant. So this next segment, I again have been put on the back foot to think of a name for... This week, it will be in honor of Mike's favorite fallen superhero. It is going to be Jinnet or Bennett. Oh, okay. That's a good okay. one. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Now that, my friend, is comedy. I am going to gin this <laughs> motherfucker all up. I did love this book. I actually, no kidding you, this podcast has cost me money because I am finding things that I enjoy and I'm going out and buying comics we review on occasion. I just bought Daredevil 25. I bought Champions 14 with Swarm. I can't help myself. I went out and looked at this book hoping it would be like a $5 book, but it's more like a $30 book 
which surprised me for 2001. So I'm not sure I'm going to buy it, but if I ever get an opportunity to get it for like 15 bucks, I want this book in my collection. I love the tone of this book. I love the surprise elements of this book. And I just love that it was so far ahead of its time. So yeah, definitely gin this thing. I couldn't agree more. It is a gin all the way. It was a bin on my first read through. I was grumpy. I it, it was mid-afternoon. I, I had lunch. I was a bit tired. I'd just finished doing another podcast. I read it, and I was like, oh, fuck this thing. This is shit. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and then I um, got over myself, and I read it again with some context behind it, and this is just a really, really enjoyable book, and one of few books in the Multiverse of Badness that I am going to follow on. Like, I want to read this story until the creative team of Milligan and Allred were done on the book just mm-hmm. to see where they can take it. Because if this is your opening gambit, fucking nearly in the literal term decimating your team, then <laughs> where else can you go from there? Yeah, I'm definitely going to follow up on the future of the X-Force and apparently the Ecstatic after that, I suppose. However, we are done talking about this book. And thank you, as always, Zach, for being my wingman on this, or I guess I'm your wingman. Either way, you are the wind beneath my wings, and I we enjoy- We are each other's wings, but unfortunately, we are both on the same side, so we just fly in circles. It is a <laughs> tragic existence being us. Yeah, but you know what? We're having a good time, so fuck all. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Loyal Mob Squad listeners, for checking us out again. So you already know all this, but I'm going to make it quick. Twitter, at Multiverse of Bad. TikTok, check out some of our new one-minute reviews. We're trying to put those out again at Multiverse of Badness. one 399 if you like to text or call us. And finally, Zach, how may they reach us via email? We have bust out some controversial opinions, and if you really want to slap back at us and let us know how you feel you can reach us at why Wolverine when dupe at multiverseofbadness.com. You can reach us at why Cyclops when dupe at multiverseofbadness.com. And you can reach us at why comic books in fucking general when actually dupe at multiverseofbadness.com. I cannot complain with that at all. Sounds fantastic to me. Thank you, as always, at Mob Squad. Next time, you're trying to make time with a young girl under a pier and accidentally ruin her life by spitting acid in her face. Take solace at knowing events such as these are commonplace here in Doop. 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 Doop.